Is it going? Okay, guys. Hey, um, welcome to Monster Seeking Meeple, podcast created by us three friends as uh, fans of the horror genre and board game enthusiasts. Uh, we wanted a platform to talk about that and have fun reviewing uh, the games. So I guess we briefly want to just touch on who we are as uh, people. My name's Tyler. I'm 29. I kind of grew up on board games playing like Risk and Monopoly with my family. Uh, my favorite types of board games are like engine builder asymmetrical games i'm not a super competitive person so i don't tend to gravitate towards those i like horror because i grew up reading like goosebumps and i watched are you afraid of the dark on tv my favorite like horror movies are the blair witch project and the halloween series i'm a fan of the classics i'm um cole do you want to talk about yourself? Yes. Hello. My name is Cole. I am 26. I am also from Ohio as well. In terms of growing up with board games, I would say near the beginning, I pretty much just played like miniatures <laughs> growing up, Lord of the Rings, stuff like that. And then I started to get into board games a little later on in life. And I've just definitely had a blast with all of them. Um, in terms of my horror background, um, I definitely grew up with Goosebumps as well. I would say growing up in the countryside and just <laughs> being surrounded by not a lot of people uh, was a lot of fun. Just kind of helped me gravitate towards horror a lot. So I tend to like immersing myself in anything horror related from movies, TV shows, e- even podcasts anything indie i just i love horror in general so that's me josh i am josh i'm 29 as well i'm originally from ohio but now i'm living in atlanta georgia i've known cole and tyler for years and years tyler and i went to college together as far as the horror genre goes i guess i've always been interested in horror movies and books and games and all that um, because i really enjoy the mystery of it always trying to figure out what's going to happen as the story goes along with board games i didn't really get into tabletop gaming until college because i guess i didn't really know that that was a thing you know when you're growing up it's all about scrabble and um, Mm -hmm. clue and stuff like that so you don't get into the really interesting story-driven board games um, until someone introduces them to you. I never really got into that until later on, but in high school I did play Dungeons & Dragons, so I've always had an interest in tabletop gaming because uh, it's so much more immersive than just a simple Mm -hmm. game of, like, poker. Of course, I I do horror gaming. Um, I just finished up Control on the PS4, which was really fun. One of my favorite books is uh, House of Leaves, so I highly recommend that. Mm So, um, yes, I definitely love the horror genre and try to absorb absorb any media that people say is good in the genre yeah poker that's uh, pretty horror too <laughs> so we thought betrayal at house on the hill was the best game to start off this podcast because it really is a combination of all the things that we like as board gamers and horror enthusiasts and it's a really popular board game so you can't ignore that and so i feel like it's a great opportunity to discuss the podcast what we like and talk about one of the biggest mainstays in the board game horror genre today in today's day and age so yeah with that being said uh we'll want to talk about what the game is in general first before we dive in the Trail at House on the Hill is published by Bruce Glasgow, Rob Davia, Bill McQuillan, Mike Selinker, and Tewin Woodruff 
Um, it was published by Avalon Hill, who in turn owned by Wizards of the Coast. It was published in 2004. It plays three to six, um, and that can vary playing time of 30 minutes to up to two hours, depending on how many players. Um, it has an expansion named Widow's Walk, which was published on October 14, 2016. Um, this adds 20 new room tiles, an additional floor for gameplay, and 30 new cards and 50 new haunts. Betrayal also has another edition of a legacy game, Betrayal Legacy, on November 9th of 2018. The way it plays in general, uh, we're not here to do a how to play. We just want to kind of touch in general what makes the game. So players begin as allies in a cooperative exploration of a haunted house, revealing the tiles and creating the house on each of their turns as they go. The tiles are chosen at random and placed on the appropriate floor, basement, main floor, up for landing or even roof some rooms will reveal an omen which involves rolling to determine if the game's haunt mechanic will begin the game session actual plot is revealed at that time and then typically one player is chosen to be the traitor there's about six different character plates and two sides to each plate representing a different character with different stats and from there every game is a different experience the haunts all involve different enemies or situations that the players go through which make it very replayable so with betrayal at house on the hill and why we picked it i want to touch on like what we like about it as far as a horror game me personally i mean my very first haunt involved us getting picked up by a giant bird the house was then carried by the bird and to be delivered to its like offspring and all the players had to scramble to get parachutes to jump out it was such a weird and funny campy introduction to it that wasn't what you predicted i didn't actually have a traitor the first time so for that reason it really was like a tense experience but all the haunts are like dracula from werewolves to zombies cthulhu so what about the game do you guys like as far as a, a horror, what it brings to the horror game? One thing I do want to touch on and like why I like this game, just to and also to kind of bring up why we chose this as one of the first games to kind of discuss here. Of the horror genre board games that are out there, you know, besides the fact that this is a staple, it's the most accessible just because, you know, once you get into the game, yeah, there's a set of rules and everything and there's all these different scenarios. It's just so easy to understand. It's just you move to one space that has an event or an omen or an item on it you just do exactly what it says and then you just keep progressing forward and there's it takes some of that confusion out that may come with some more strategic games so i do appreciate that this game is just very accessible and it's just a lot of fun in general and that's just something i really liked about it um a lot of the people i play with are um not very familiar with the tabletop world and this is like the perfect game to get people interested in more strategic games because with the haunt mechanic the first half of the game is so simple you just do what the cards tell you to do you collect things it's very fun because you feel like you're making progress and you're not really getting punished very often for it um, there's no way to lose the game until the haunt and so everyone's you know enjoying themselves and exploring the world inside the game and then when the haunt comes 
everyone knows the game well enough to understand the more strategic part where players are being pitted against each other. It's it's such a well-organized game for people who aren't familiar with strategy games that is pretty much always a hit when you play it with people. You know, they might be a little afraid of it at first, but by the end of the game, everyone knows what they're doing. Right. I feel like it's just so familiar. Everyone has these type of haunted house stories. And so for that reason, it's not really requires a lot of explanation for you to get what the theme is when you first start playing anyone you throw it out you just explain that it's a haunted house and they get it and the immersion is inherent and it's already there um it reminds me of like rose red uh, stephen king where essentially everyone is exploring this house and everyone dies in a different room in a different way you know everyone has those type of memories from whether novels or movies they've watched of this type of theme. So once the haunt starts, it takes a different tone and a different story. But I feel like as far as uh, six, you know, three to six players or three to six and just normal people going to exploring a house, uh, you can kind of like relate to it and it, it brings you into that uh, immersion of being in a horror movie. I, I would I would agree with that. And I would just like touch on like the idea of just like, you know, the haunted house story. It's just all these haunts are just, you know, different horror stories like ghost stories. They're just going to be lighthearted fun. You're not going to go into this like <laughs> looking for deep lore on each individual haunt it's just these random set of events that you know have happened during the creation of the house that you're exploring you know would trigger the haunt typically it's going to be a different haunt each time but again it's not going to be anything super deep um lore wise so it's just going to be more fun more lighthearted, just easier for people to access yeah so i guess we want to talk about as far as what are the positives of the game i think we've already kind of touched on it's already how accessible it is like cole was saying it's also very simple in that really all you do is go to those rooms, draw those cards, and perform those actions. Now, this all occurs until you roll enough die to where the haunt is triggered once enough omens are revealed. So the game will have a definitive point where it shifts. But so let's talk about like the mechanics and what is successful about it. So ultimately, you are moving based on a movement on your character, and then you're rolling dice typically, right? So you're drawing cards based on a deck and you're rolling dice. And do you guys feel like that is works for what the game is trying to do? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that it's got enough variety in the things that you can pick up and collect that it's always feeling like a new experience experience even though it's a very simple way of gameplay you know just moving around and collecting well up until the hunt then it gets a little more complicated but because it's got a lot of variety to this very simple gameplay it makes for a fun experience that doesn't scare people off when they're starting the game it's very rpg right so like dungeons and dragons like you've mentioned before josh is very kind of like intimidating at first to a casual gamer oh i have to create my whole character i have to you know how many dice do i need what do i need to do um absolutely but betrayal gives you the character stats which are all very simplistic we have speed might sanity knowledge you know these are just very like okay i get what it's going for and it's already laid out for you all you're doing is reading off what the card says and then rolling dice. At that point, you're getting the RPG light experience. You're getting like the form of a fantasy, but in a much more accessible way. 
Yeah, I just want to briefly touch back on what Josh was saying, just in terms of like having like a fresh experience whenever you play it, just because you are building the house as you explore it, and you're going to be picking up different items along the way, you know, getting different events. This game definitely wants to focus on variety and fresh experiences every time you play. And because of that, there's definitely a lot of randomness with it, which I think since it is just a lighthearted, very accessible, simple game, I think that helps it. So once the hunt is triggered, at that point, every it'll tell you right in the book if there is a traitor, and it'll tell you who the survivors are and who the enemy is. At that point, it can be any of so many different haunts where we have like an undead creature who's trying to suck the soul out of everyone to a saw-like experience where everyone has to go fulfill a puzzle or trap in order to escape. So at this point, the mechanics kind of change and everyone opens their book to tell the story. So before that, there isn't really any story and the story is completely led up to when the haunt triggers at that point do you guys feel like as far as what the game does for this haunt do you guys have any like fun experiences with the haunts what you like or don't like about them yeah i pretty much every time i play a new haunt it's fun i've never had experienced a haunt that i was bored of sometimes they can get a little unbalanced determining how the players in the first half of the game get their items if the one player who's the trader ends up with a bunch of really crappy items and everyone else ends up with really good items then the haunt could go really fast which disappointing but you can't really account for that in the way that you make a game but i do feel like the ideas behind each haunt are very different very unique and creative and sometimes unexpected there was one haunt i played where the trader was a pirate and they were just trying to get their treasure and so you just had to like run around the house collecting treasure and making <laughs> sure that the player who was the pirate wouldn't get it first you just never expect those kinds of things in a haunted house game mm -hmm. every every new experience is a lot of fun you can do duplicate experiences and i think sometimes that can take a little bit of the fun away from it but the game also kind of allows you to re-roll for a different experience if you don't necessarily want to play a scenario yeah so i mean the haunts when we look at it like what of which haunt you're gonna pick it depends on what room you ended up in and what item you got so of the different omen cards there's several there's like a spear a ring so when you get these omens they are they work as items they have their own effects but depending on what room you found them in which there's several different room tiles where omens can be triggered that's kind of like dictates where the idea of the haunt will be and so for that reason there's a definitely a chance that you can get the same haunt you've had before even though there's so many which what are the odds but yeah, I mean, the game kind of just allows you to kind of be like, well, let's just wait the next time to get a different home. We've already played this because of how replayable the experience is. You really shouldn't have to be playing the same haunts that you've already done. There's so much variety that you can get through all the haunts in the game. And then by that time, if you really want to go back and replay one that you've done before, you it's probably fresh and new. So, but I mean, I can't help but not touch on how sometimes random and unbalanced the haunt, haunts are. So one of my experiences was because of the game allowing you to have an RPG experience and gaining stats or losing stats before the haunt has begun, there's going to be characters who are inherently unprepared or underpowered uh, for 
when the haunt begins. You could be on their team. So they're set up to kind of not be very useful at all because you need higher stats in order to fulfill some of these things. Some of the haunts require you to go to a room and roll a six or higher on a knowledge check. And if you were decreased down to your lowest knowledge, you're screwed. One of my experiences was one of my friends got turned into a banshee. Uh, The banshee could only move certain ways and they were trying to kill the other players. Well, once the Honda is triggered, it moves on. The trader essentially gets the last turn. So by the time it got around back to that trader, about a four-player game, they had already died. The haunt was over in less than three turns just because of where the players ended up and whose stats were higher, right? So the game doesn't really have anything that kind of helps this. It kind of just airs it and lends itself to saying, oh, well, it's a story experience. Yeah. No, I, I kind of touched on some of the, the negatives with that randomness of designing the house and the items that people are going to be getting and what triggers the haunts. There's definitely uh, some balancing issues. I wouldn't say it happens every game. I would say the majority of the games you're going to play feel fair enough, but mm-hmm. there are definitely times where the survivors or the killer just ends up getting screwed and there's nothing that can be done. Just to kind of go off of another example I was thinking about, with the house, there are three levels, four levels, if you're counting the expansion, which, you know, adds the attic upstairs. If a survivor gets or the killer falls down into the basement due to a certain tile, they're trapped down there until they find the stairs. I know in the past we've played games where either party will get trapped down there and they're trying to find the way out while everybody else gets to explore and keep getting stronger and better. Mm -hmm. And by the time they get out, well, they're screwed. (laughs) It's just that randomness does add a lot of variety and a lot of fun because you don't fully know what to expect. But with that comes some imbalancing issues. Because ultimately, some of these things that allow you to get higher stats are little events that pop out throughout the house, which say, oh, some spiders jumped out at you. You need to escape them. If you don't roll high enough, which is completely based on chance, you're going to lose a stat. That can be a not very like decision-making experience. There's nothing that I personally could have done to prevent that or done better. Kind of dictated very much about what the game wants for me and that randomness. And so when this haunt begins you can kind of tell right away who's in the advantage or who's not and so for that reason there's a lot not all these haunts are solid ones i would say there's definitely some duds in there unfortunately or maybe they would be good if the situations were set up for them but i just remember one where the description was probably three sentences long and it said you know someone's trying to capture the brains of the other players and the villain and traitor was derivative it was uninspired it really made us feel like oh i wish there was a more exciting haunt we could be playing because there's really some fun immersive exciting haunts there that really pull you into how exciting the game is in general and make people excited oh i want to know who's going to win or what we need to do quick it creates a sense of urgency so i definitely think there are some quality of life features in the expansion that make it very much worth the money there's like an elevator system that allows you to travel between floors mm-hmm. a lot quicker there are a number of omens that are very useful and some really cool rooms and haunts so even though it's 
just kind of more of the same. It's got some really excellent additions as far as like storytelling. So I definitely recommend getting the expansion on top of the main game, not just when you're done with the main game, but honestly together. Right. And just to briefly segue, as far as discussing the components or just additions of the game, Betrayal Legacy is its whole other game in general that can be played with its own story its own tiles don't need to have the base game in order to do that and it's its own experience so we don't need to talk so much about that as far as betrayal legacy in this episode because it is a truly you could put it in its own episode but widow's walk the expansion truly just adds on to the game you already need to own it really gives it just more variety and so naturally go hand in hand with the base game just for reference what do you guys think of the components of the game do you think it's um well made i think we can all agree on the same one that we were probably all going to say here is the uh, so the character each character has their own like tile so to speak and that's what has their stats on it and you do have to use these plastic nubs to kind of slide those stats up and down as you either increase those or get damaged since they are cardboard tile pieces and these plastic nubs are not exactly cut to the same size it does tend to either not stay on the tile piece and just fall off or Mm -hmm. tends to tear up the tile piece that is one negative of the components i would say the tiles in general though uh, they do look nice and i'd say they've they've held up pretty well (laughs) yeah i would say almost everything in the box is great except for those tile cards they are honestly a nuisance but there are a number of free apps for your phone out there that will tally up your stats for your character they're Mm -hmm. easy to get to easy to use so i would highly recommend that over using the character cards because it's just so much easier yeah i mean if you've never played betrayal essentially these little clips will go on to the number of stuff on your character plate like cole was saying but they're either too tight and will almost break your cardboard or they're just so loose that if you move at any point you'll forget what even stat your character was at because it's not pointing to the right one anymore at that point it everyone notices really quickly how annoying those are (laughs) and but as far as the tiles go the art is really pretty you can clearly tell what room you're in you can get a vibe for it being a haunted house character pieces are really cute and are each distinguishable overall like all the pieces really hold up over time i suppose the only other component that might be nice is having a box that's a little more organized and i can't like come down on this that hard because it is a really nice game and the price point is nice and i'm sure it would probably go up if it had more of a sectioned off inside box but there are a lot of tiny pieces because there are so many different scenarios and each piece goes to a different scenario it can take a little while to sort through the pile of pieces to find the ones you need once a haunt comes up that's not a huge complaint that's true once you first get the game you're gonna get a couple big pieces that you need to punch out that are gonna have a ton of different little tiny fingernail sized tokens tokens right that you'll have to put on the board for when the haunt starts so if it's a spider queen type one there's going to be one that says that name however not all the haunts have their own tokens a lot of them are going to be oh we'll use the one that looks like this and so for that reason you're constantly looking through where these all the little tokens are to find that some of the rooms there will be smoke in the room and you need to find 
find the token that says that that can be kind of takes you out of the game because you're you're spending a good 30 seconds saying does anyone see this token just to put it on the board right and all it does is have a, the word on it can be a little confusing, <laughs> a little tedious to try to find those pieces. In a pinch, I think in the past, we've just used a random token <laughs> in its place instead of trying to search through everything. But some mm-hmm. of them are really set up. There are some monster tokens that are perfectly lined up for what the haunt is and look exactly like what the enemy should be and its um, allies and feels like it was made for that. But some just go, oh, throw in that token. So at that point, the token just become you know just placeholders for whatever you needed to be at that given moment one like last quick complaint i had i don't know if you guys noticed this or not it might just be me <laughs> uh, full disclosure we haven't played every single hot at least tyler and i haven't um i don't know about you josh <laughs> <laughs> in my opinion it felt like most of the haunts you know even the ones that had like fights where you had to use mental damage which is like knowledge and all that it still felt like might was the which is your main attack ability so to speak that's physical damage was just Mm -hmm. always the best thing to focus on because typically in those psychic battles you could still try to find the enemy player and just fight them in an all-out brawl and still win that way and i just i wish there would have been more haunts that we experienced that were more psychic related it just Mm -hmm. felt like most of them were just punching fights but the other two things i wanted to touch on is I, i definitely agree with josh earlier about the expansion i think that adding of a whole other floor to the house such a cool idea and and in general just the idea of having more variety with more haunts it's just a huge positive and then lastly in terms of haunts like if you do come across the haunt that you trigger and you're like well we've already done this or we do we know this is not a fun haunt just like everybody was saying earlier you can you don't have to restart the game over you can just say you know what we're not going to trigger it right now we'll trigger on the next haunt just keep playing the game as normal which is it's just nice that you can have that option Yeah, so when it comes down to Betrayal, if we had to give this a number rating, Board Game Geek is probably one of the biggest online databases for rating board games, and so we kind of base our ratings off of the standard that it's set. What would you guys give Betrayal if you had to personally rate it, be subjective about it? Out of 10, what would you guys give it? For me personally, you know, out of 10, I would say it's a solid, probably a 7, solid 7 out of 10. You know, it's a it's a fun game. It's quick, it's simple, it's easily accessible. It does have some balancing issues, so that's why I wouldn't give it higher, but it's fun overall, so it's a solid, solid 7 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I would say I'm a little biased because when it comes to tabletop games, this is probably my favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'd probably give it maybe an eight and a half. So I'll reserve anything higher than that for something I haven't played yet. <laughs> Fair enough. So is this kind of the set the what you expect out of four games and it needs to be better than Betrayal for it to get higher than is what I'm getting? Yeah, I think Betrayal is very well made and very accessible so any game that i would rate higher than that would need to either engage me even more or be something that's even more easy to get my friends interested in because like i said i the people i play board games with are very casual so if a game gets a little too complicated they kind of check out yeah 
So I would, while I have played Betrayal a very number of times, you know, hits or misses, overall I always enjoy my experience with it and I feel like other people do as well for the most part. And so for that reason, it definitely is on the upper as far as ratings. The unbalancing is definitely noticeable at times. And so for that reason, I would give it a 7.5 out of 10. I feel like it's definitely good if it had much more decision-making and much more immersion into the game as far as choices that you can make i feel like it could uh definitely get up there for me but as far as what it adds to the board game genre it's very understated and works and so i feel like for that reason it's very successful all right well this has been episode one of monster seeking meeple well we're going to be so excited to talk about all different horror games whether it be the past or present Uh, we'd just love to review them and talk about what works what doesn't and why we like them i appreciate you guys being here thanks so much yeah thanks for listening thanks guys